With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brecky with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Jumping on the podium with me this morning, uh, the spirit of cricket, is it a myth or a mandatory part of the game? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. When you hear the phrase spirit of cricket, what jumps into your head? Does it exist? Can it exist in the modern-day world of cutthroat professional sport. 131355 Spirit of Cricket, what does it mean to you? We're going to jump into that very, very shortly. Uh, big show lined up for you today. Uh, I mentioned earlier with Patton Heels. Imagine this headline. Reese Walsh, Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Charlie Cameron, Olympic gold medalist. Not you, Dane Coles, probably a bit past you by now. But we're talking flag football at the Olympics. It was 24 hours ago, a punchline. It was in our office anyway. Flag football. It almost seemed like the Americans getting their way with, well, if you want cricket in the Olympics, we're going to chuck in flag football. What is flag football? Well, think Oztag, touch footy for gridiron. And I'm sure you'll come at me and say, no, Oz Tag and Touch Footy are very different. Maybe they have their subtleties. But being an athlete in those sports, you need the same type of ability. Happy to be shot down, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. But we'll be speaking to the head of NFL flag football development here in Australia. And he has made no bones and no qualms about it that he will be targeting different sports to get Australia into some sort of position to actually compete and compete well at the LA Games in 28. It's male and female, so he'll be targeting AFLW netball, rugby league, AFL, maybe even rugby union. Um, When it comes to flag footy, we'll find out what type of athlete is needed. The first thing jumps into my mind, someone who's quick, someone who's evasive. You don't need that big body. You're not looking really for forwards, are you? But who would be a great crossover athlete? Speed, agility, evasiveness, 
That's why I thought Reese Walsh, Charlie Cameron, would they be on the NFL's target here in Australia or on their hit list? Something I'll be putting to Wade Kelly, who's got a pedigree here in Brisbane, was on the Broncos' contract list. We'll find out exactly how far he went and what he did. This was back in the 90s. Uh, We'll be chatting to him uh, over the next three hours. I'll be touching base with the boss of Queensland cricket too, because, yes, cricket is part of the Olympics. But what does that mean for cricket in this state? What does it mean for the infrastructure of sporting venues? You and I have had this conversation a number of times over the last... Well, it's over this year about the Gabba redevelopment and where does cricket go? Where does AFL go? Well, now that cricket is on the agenda for 2032, we're taking it as read that it will be there. It's going to be in LA 28. Nothing official. I think it's just a box that needs to be ticked for it to be on the board for 2032. But now that cricket is an Olympic sport, does that mean venues that are already under the umbrella of Queensland cricket, Australian cricket, like what we've seen in Mackay with the Shields over the last couple of days, Barrier, Great Barrier Reef Arena in Mackay, um, in Townsville, in Cairns, did, did they get an upgrade to host Olympic sports? Or does Alan Borderfield get an upgrade? Queensland cricket have their ideas. They have their thoughts and what they've put to the government to get done. And it is an upgrade of Albion. What does this mean for AFL, though? As I said, you and I have had this conversation a number of times. What is the best fit? What is the best way for your money, taxpayers' money, to be spent? Uh, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. They're the digits you need to be part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. Uh, over the next three hours, we'll be touching base uh, for those in Melbourne on AFL trade period. What does it mean for the Lions? They haven't been aggressive in the trade period. There have been some changes. We know Jack Gunston wants to head back to Hawthorne. Is that going to happen? What's that going to look like? Chris Fagan, Danny Daly, his lieutenant, his general manager of football, they are in Melbourne right now. It's the last day of trade period. We'll get an update on that as the morning winds on to find out where it all sits for the Lions when it comes to trades and football expansion, rugby league expansion. I wanted to touch base to our northern neighbours, PNG. We know it's part of the Pacific Championship and the Pacific Plate is being played in Port Moresby right now over the next month. Could they be the 18th team in the NRL? There is a bid process underway. There is a bid campaign. We'll be speaking to the lead of that bid just to find out what it would mean for that region. But how serious are they? And what are their arguments for being included in the NRL? I know there is a strong push and a lot of money coming out of Canberra funding this. Not not the PNG bid, but there is political plays here. Having Papua New Guinea in the NRL, having them strong. The ties between sport and politics, as much as we hate it, as much as we don't like it, it's a reality. I wonder how much sway that has. But what about you, the fan? Could you imagine a PNG team playing in the NRL? What would it look like? Where would they be based? 
Could they be playing in Moresby week in and week out? Would they have to be part of Queensland? It's all part of our investigation. We'll be finding out over the next three hours. 13 13 55 0467 736 Text coming through already, which is fantastic. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let's do this. And now, time for Ben's Snap Judgment. All right, when you hear the phrase, the spirit of cricket... What jumps into your head? What's the first thing you think of? Does it still exist? Or is there no room for it in the modern cutthroat world of professional sport? Do you know the digits, 13, 13, 55? Um, we do have a prize today for our best caller of the day too. The spirit of cricket, what does it look like to you? Is it Adam Gilchrist walking? Is it no man cats? Or is it calling back a play if you're uncertain about a catch or a dismissal? Is it something as a simple act? Or is it a way a team conducts itself? Because when we do see acts like that, like Gilly walking, like No Man Cats, like calling someone back, they're, they're acts that we all jump on and celebrate and applaud and we put on a pedestal. Why? Is it because they're so rare? Maybe. Is it because they take you back to a time where winning wasn't as important? Well, it was important, but it wasn't everything. Probably. Or is it simply about doing the right thing? And I'm asking because there was a conversation between Crash Craddock and Sammy Edmund on SEN in Melbourne yesterday. And it got me thinking. Here's a snippet of that conversation. It's the Johnny Bairstow uh, incident. Mm. Alex Carey has not been Alex Carey. And I'll go a step further, Sam, and say Australia hasn't been Australia. W what have they done well since that? You tell me. Mm. You know, in England and the Ashes and this World Cup, w what have they done well in a game since the Johnny Bairstow incident? And I think we all brainwashed ourselves a bit. Oh, we got on air and said, oh, the Poms are doing it and would have done it and all this. Really? You ran out of bloke at the batsman's end when he wasn't taking off for a single and he'd actually put his toe back in the crease. Like, you, you that's the way you want Australia to play, is it? You happy with that? Oh, I, I just think it sort of rocked Australia and it took... They were flying at that point. They were stampeding their way through the ashes... And for all the sort of uh, jokes about the spirit of cricket mm. and all this and and uh, poking fun at Bairstow in the, in the lunchroom for him blowing up, do you know, they had a chance. They've worked very hard since Sandpaper Gate, Sam, to, 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 to reshape the image of Australian cricket. And that, that would have been an, an example of an incident where they could have bounded forward a little bit. Everyone rubbishes the spirit of cricket, but I tell you what, I don't mind it, Sam. I don't mind the fact that cricket can be a little bit different. Crash Craddock, talking to Sam Edmund on SCN in Melbourne yesterday. Has Crash got a point? 13-13-55-0-4-6-7-7-3-6-7-3-6. It's about image. It's about reputation. It's about branding, isn't it? Or do nice guys finish last? Just on doing the right thing. And it's something we try to do in life, right? We try and do the right thing. What does the right thing look like in sport? Can you explain that to me? And when we say the spirit of cricket, it's about sportsmanship, isn't it? Doing the right thing. 
Is that doing everything in your power to make sure your team wins? Or is it playing within the notion of some unwritten rule that lives subjectively and only in someone's mind? The spirit of cricket. I say hell yes to the second one. It is about an unwritten rule. It is about something that lives in someone's mind. And for me, it's two-pronged. Because I'm a big believer of your reputation is your currency. At the end of the day, results are what you're measured on, but your reputation is what you're remembered for. Anthony Mundine, three-time world champion in boxing. But what's the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear his name? Mm, reputation, right? Andrew Johns, can play footy, an immortal. What's the first thing that jumps into your mind when you think of Andrew Johns? It's about reputation. Secondly, here's the second part of my thoughts and my two-pronged attack on this. Cricket is one of the last bastions of sport that we hold tradition so tightly. Golf's another but it's an individual sport. Cricket. For me, it comes back to that sport being our true national sport. It's a reflection on us as Australians. We hold our cricketers to a higher standard because they are us on the international stage. That, that may be unfair on those who play the game and represent us, but that's the reality, isn't it? It's why you and I took Sandpaper Gate so hard. We took it so personally. Because cricket is our true national sport. Sport is part of the Australian DNA. It's the part of, or it, it's the fabric of our society, isn't it? Sport. And that's why we hold cricket to such high regard. Tell me I'm wrong. 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. The, the hard thing is, especially for an athlete, it's a very, very different argument, isn't it? Win at all costs, right? Their living, their existence, their place in the team, it comes down to results. So the question to you this morning, is there room for the spirit of cricket in the professional game? And if so, what does it look like? Maybe it looks like Mr. Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street. It only exists in Big Bird's mind. Maybe it only exists in your mind. And that's okay, isn't it? 17 minutes past nine. We're off and running for a Wednesday morning text and calls straight after this. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Company, uh, 24 degrees. We're looking to top out at 25 today. A bit cooler in the River City, the potential Olympic, well, not potential, the Olympic City coming up. Yes, we are talking Olympic sports. We'll be doing that this hour as well. Not just cricket, which we've touched on, but flag football. Flag football. What? 
Yeah, exactly. It's NFL touch footy. And they are making no bones about it. They will be targeting professional athletes from all codes and all sports to make Australia competitive. What what does that look like? Who does that involve? AFLW, netball for the women's team, NRL, AFL. I wonder what other sports they could be targeting. We'll find out this hour, um, but I'm asking you today about crossover athletes. Who would be good ones? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Can you imagine this headline? Reese Walsh, Olympic gold medalist. Charlie Cameron, Olympic gold medalist. Could be on the cards with flag footy. We were using it as a punchline yesterday, but they're dead serious about it. We'll find out how serious uh, coming up this hour. Uh, just on our chat with Terry Svensson and your money, taxpayers' money, where will it be spent for Olympic venues? Um, Queensland Cricket really pushing ahead to have Allen Border Field redeveloped. Well, not redeveloped, but expanded. 10,000-seat stadium. And Terry Svensson let us know it was going to be in the vicinity, roughly, of about $90 million to get a grandstand at Allen Border Field that would hold 10,000. So where the existing buildings are now that is the home of Queensland Cricket, they'd be knocked down and a new stand would be put up there. You'd think there'd be commercial opportunities for function areas and maybe other retailers to go in there as well. Uh, Mick from Northlakes has said, hey, Ben, we've got the home of Warehouse Cricket at Marchand Park. Chermside, yeah, very familiar with it. You'd need to build a few stands all over the place, which would probably reduce the amount of cricket ovals to be used. But, hey, Marchand Park, just a thought. Thumbs up emoji. Mick from North Lakes. There's some thinking outside the square. Uh, 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Just on some crossover athletes as well. Cowler sent a text. I think India could have the quarterback of the tournament with Ravi Dadeja, the best arm in world cricket. Ripping a wide ball to Virat Kohli in the end zone. <laughs> Virat Kohli. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think so. But Dadeja, there we go. There, there's, there's, a, there's a crossover sport I didn't think of. Uh, Adams at Morningside, he said, you know who'd make a great flag footy player? Nathan Sobey from the Brisbane Bullets. Quick, evasive, obviously skillful. One of the most athletic players in the comp. Would easily match the likes of Reese Walsh and Charlie Cameron. We'll put that on the list when we chat to Wade Kelly uh, in about half an hour's time. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Right now, I want to drill into NRL expansion. Now that season 23 is done and dusted, we are into the internationals. The Pacific Championship is underway. And we know that Port Moresby uh, over this month is hosting internationals every weekend. But they are also in the process of putting together a bid to have a PNG team in the NRL, the 18th team. We, we know expansion is inevitable. We know it's got to happen, getting an even number in the competition. Uh, here at East in Brisbane, the Tigers, they're putting together a bid. We've spoken about Perth in the past, but what does the PNG bid look like? What does it bring? We know it has support from Canberra. Uh, earlier this year, the Albanese government pledged a bid over $5.5 million to the bid. They'd like to see it happen. So there is political clout coming into this. Well, let's find out what else it brings, where they may be situated, what the bid looks like. Andrew Hill is the leader, the bid leader for the PNG 
NRL license. So we've on the line now. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Ben. Uh, the PNG bid, how are things travelling? What's it look like now at the end of 2023? Well, it's exciting. Uh, I've just heard your intro, and of course, there's plenty of other bids that are doing great work as well. But um, there's nothing like rugby league in PNG. Uh, nothing else can compare to the excitement, the movement, the colour, uh, the passion that uh, Papua New Guineans have for, for rugby league. Um, but we're, we're just taking it slow. We're obviously waiting for a lot more information from the ARLC around uh, criteria uh, and when they're ready to expand. But we're, we're setting the building blocks um, as we speak for, for future success. And Andrew, I've got to say, you're, we're qualified to talk about the passion of rugby league in PNG. I mean, you've seen passion of rugby league all over the world. Um, people might be familiar with your name as part of the, well, you were the, um, you're running the Bulldogs at one point, but you're also in charge of the 2017 uh, World Cup before joining Canterbury. So you, you've seen rugby league all over the globe. Yeah, Ben, I think the game does unite and inspire. And I know a lot of sports administrators will say that. Um, but across the Pacific, not just in PNG, rugby league is more than a game. It's a way of life. Um, back in 2017, we brought three World Cup games uh, to PNG. The first time ever a major professional sport had the confidence to do such uh, 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 a venture. Uh, and those games were broadcast right around the world. And I think when people talk about legacy from a, a tournament such as a World Cup, I think our biggest legacy back in 2017 is where we are right now. People now have the confidence to take major events to PNG. Of course, we've got the Pacific Championships that are being broadcast live back here in Australia and around the world. So the capability in PNG may surprise people. Um, I know I have a lot of conversations about, oh, what's the infrastructure like? Um, you know, there's a great stadium. We have three tremendous stadiums, uh, NRL uh, equivalent. Uh, and, and that's what excites us, being able to harness that passion, excitement and give them their own team to follow. Um, Andrew, is that Santos Stadium? Is that, is that the name of it in, in yes. Moresby? Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, yes. How, how many, paint us the picture. What's, what's that infrastructure look like? How many does, and, uh, does that hold? Yeah, it's a boutique stadium, I think we would call it, Ben, here in Australia. It's uh, built in 2016, uh, opened up uh, in the 2017 season. And, of course, we played those three World Cup games there. Capacity is 15,000, uh, a great corporate facility, um, both uh, indoor suites um, and outdoor boxes. Uh, there's a corporate lounge that holds over 300. So there's about over 1,000 uh, corporates. Um, air-conditioned dressing sheds, um, big gym, wrestling rooms, everything that you would expect an NRL franchise to have is at Santos Stadium. And and all credit to, to the past governments in PNG and the current government, they've got three of those stadia around uh, Port Moresby. Uh, so we're very fortunate that, uh, that I think our infrastructure will surprise people. Um, when they when they see or some many people have already seen it on TV and the commentary is wow we didn't know that you know that the field looked so good and you know the deck the deck is as good as you know I think um, Gold Coast have probably got the best playing surface in the NRL every time you see it it looks beautiful um, ours isn't too far behind uh, and the curator of Suncorp Stadium we fly him up and he checks it out a couple of times a year for us so we you know, we have really good people involved.
Andrew Hill, my guest this morning. He is uh, the bid leader for the PNG NRL license. We know there's a lot of water to go under that bridge before it's even uh, officiated. Um, Andrew, you're working towards a timeline. Is there anything from the the commission to to give you uh, a, a, almost a, a, a deadline to be ready by? Well, nothing in concrete, and of course, the broadcast renegotiations or, or negotiations will be um, paramount to any decision. Um, 27, uh, 2027, 2028 uh, are the indicative years. Uh, the Prime Minister of uh, PNG, Honourable James Marapo, has asked his counterpart here in Australia um, for support and uh, a potential outcome by the end of 2025. Um, a lot of your listeners uh, may or may not be aware that uh, PNG gained independence from Australia uh, 50 years in 2025. And so in considering what type of gift Australia should give to the people of PNG to celebrate the independence from Australia, um, Prime Minister Marape has suggested the NRL franchise as the 18th team would be a, a fair gift. You, you've got plenty there in the armoury, haven't you? You've got the infrastructure argument. You've got the romantic notion, the, the heartstrings to pull on as well. What are some of the other conversations you, you have, Andrew, around this? I mean, you mentioned infrastructure. Uh, what, are, what are some of the other things that people are asking you about NRL in PNG? Look, I think we've got, we've got to focus on, on the youth. Um, and with that comes an understanding that whilst they've had a passion for the game for 50 years, Rugby League has pretty much left PNG to their own devices in many, many ways. Um, from time to time, you know, people have dropped in and tried to help, but but it hasn't been a coordinated long-term view. Um, and everyone has done some really good work. But but when you're looking at 14, 15, 16-year-old players over there, they just don't have the luxury of what we do here in Australia in terms of their their understanding of healthy lifestyles, their nutrition, their coaching. You know, we're very fortunate. All sport here in Australia has got great coaching framework and a great volunteer um, network. And so a 10-year-old boy or girl here gets great, great uh, coaching from, you know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm. They're, they're qualified coaches. They know how to look after injuries. We teach the kids how to eat. That hasn't existed in PNG. So a, a, a big focus of ours is around coaching, its development, its putting frameworks in. That's a slow burn, Ben. And so when people ask, what are we doing? And I go, oh, we're, we're, we're really just focusing on 14, 15-year-olds. They sort of scratch their head. Some of those other things, corporate support. Um, I giggle. People tell me that we won't have money. We will be the most well-supported NRL team in the competition. We are by far, but the, the PNG Hunters are by far the, the most well-supported team in the Queensland Cup. Um, it, it is ridiculously how well supported. Some of the biggest companies in the world are based in PNG. Um, Newmont have just taken over an Australian company called Newcrest. It's the world's largest gold mine, the world's largest. And they're based in PNG. They're, they're a proud organisation doing business in PNG, and, and, and they'll be very excited to be partnering with the NRL, as, as will many, many other supporters. So, um, looking after the youth, getting coaching frameworks in, setting policies, procedures. Um, Tony Archer, former referee, has just been appointed to come over and, and spend three years in PNG. Talking to him this morning about setting up the right structures for refereeing. And so we will leave no, no stone unturned. Not only is it about the, the, 
immediacy around the bid, but it's about the framework, long-term sustainability, getting the game on par with, with Australia is very important for us. Andrew, two questions from me, and one of them may sound a little naive, and it is around security and well-being for athletes travelling into that country and maybe even supporters as well. Um, and I say it may be naive because we hear stories about yes. how safe uh, PNG may be, um, Moresby and the like, uh, especially in the Highlands. What, what, what can you tell us and, and my listeners about that? Yeah, look, it, it, it's... It's a challenge for us, Ben. We can't, um, you know, people's perceptions. We have to work really hard. Um, in terms of in terms of a lot of the stories you hear, they're not from Fort Moresby. They're generally from the Highlands. And and yes, that they have had challenges in the Highlands. Port Moresby itself, and in, in particular the last five or ten years, with the big big businesses that are now rolling uh, into town, it, it is vastly different. Vastly different. Um, yeah, we have we have a Queensland Cup team going there every fortnight to play in the Q Cup, and have done that for the last ten years. We have uh, the women's teams going to PNG. Uh, we have um, all these games being played this this month uh, for men and women. Uh, of course, we have to take precautions. Uh, you know, the hotels are, are, are wonderful hotels. Um, they don't walk around the streets at night, but I think. Um, some of us perhaps have looked at footage of what happens here in Australia and, and in particular in Queensland at the moment after dark um, and we don't feel too comfortable. But look, it is a challenge. Uh, Port Moresby is, is not the Port Moresby that it was 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, we've not had any issues with, with our rugby league teams there at all. Final one from me, and you may have, uh, I guess, touched on it in, in that answer as well. Definitely based in, in Moresby, is there, there's no consideration or is there consideration of, of being based in Queensland or even north Queensland? No, very open mind uh, on that. I mean, at the moment, we are talking about uh, a potential Cairns location for the initial stages um, of the bid. Um, of course, we've got to be able to track coaches and players and administrators as well. Um, uh, we would be playing our games out of Port Moresby because the facilities are so good. But but definitely looking at um, an Australian base uh, for the first few years, and this is where the you know the, the PNG government is so progressive. They understand we may have to to um, deviate from what our number one desire is. Uh, and that might be to be based in Cairns for the first few years. Um, we're keeping a really open mind as we go down this journey. Um, as more information comes on board, uh, we will continue to consider it. You know, people are talking about a Pacific team. Um, it may surprise you, but we've had every other bid reach out to us. Everyone else wants a part of PNG and Pacific, and that gives us enormous confidence, to be honest, Ben. The fact that people are coming to us saying, can we partner with you? would indicate that you know they're, they're hearing the same level of support. When we have two prime ministers of the country thinking it's a great idea to have us, um, you know, we, we just need to work through that process, but very much an open mind. Andrew, really appreciate the chat this morning, opening our eyes to what uh, could be on the cards as far as the 18th team in the NRL. Andrew Hill, who's leading the bid for the NR for the PNG bid into the NRL. So from what you've just heard, 131355 uh, PNG in the NRL it, it almost is a natural fit isn't it because we know rugby league is a religion in that part of the world 
so many questions around it. But what you've just heard, does it make you feel more comfortable about it? Would you support a team from PNG coming into the NRL? That's probably the big question. A lot of corporate support in that part of the world. In fact, if you've been or had experiences in PNG, bust some myths for us. What have been your personal experiences? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. 20 minutes past 10, we'll get to your calls and texts straight after this. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. song would absolutely be haunting South Africa right now. Yes, Orange Crush. It's exactly what the Netherlands have done to them at the World Cup. The second World Cup in the road uh, two as well. Last year it was the T20 World Cup in Adelaide. Uh, overnight this morning it was in India. If you're just catching up on this news, the Netherlands have knocked off South Africa in the World Cup. This, the winning moments. Record of the record. Two balls away, or maybe one ball away, Netherlands. It's clubbed it, and the catch has been taken. That's a win for Netherlands. We've just witnessed one of the major upsets in 50 years cricket. Yeah, major upsets indeed. It was only the third time ever in World Cup history, the first since 2007, that the Netherlands have actually won a game. <laughs> they beat South Africa by 38 runs. 38, all out for 207, the Proteus. Uh, the Netherlands had earlier posted eight for 245. Fantastic stuff. And it was a captain's knock too by Scott Edwards. Uh, he is a sparky from Melbourne, Scott Edwards. And I tell you what, th this has got the fingerprints of Ryan Campbell all over it. The former WA keeper, the man who invented the ramp shot, he was coach of the Netherlands until the midway through last year when he had his cardiac arrest. But this team is built on Ryan Campbell-esque type style and Ryan Campbell type fight. Uh, Scott Edwards, the captain, after his captain's knock, uh, spoke about this win. Yeah, obviously, um, yeah, proud, I suppose, um, of the group and, you know, putting in that performance um, as a whole and, and being able to play my parts. Uh, yeah, obviously nice. Um, you know, we came into the tournament and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to have, have a chance at playing semi-finals. And if, if you want to do that, you've got to beat teams. Obviously, South Africa's, you know, probably one of the favourites, um, the way they're playing. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big win for us. Congrats. Yeah, massive win. Uh, and massive win for Australia too, because that knocks off one of the teams that will be vying for that top four spot. Oh, geez, the Netherlands could be vying for that top four, four spot as well. Uh, 27 years of age, Scott Edwards. He blasted 78 off 69, batting at number seven. Uh, it, it was the Proteus' first World Cup win too over a test-playing nation. Their, their, their other wins uh, came against Namibia and, oh, the other team escapes me. But again, they were just emerging nations too. So not fully ranked test-playing nations. Um, Scott Edwards, born in Tonga, raised in Melbourne. 
Uh, played club cricket for Richmond, second 11 for Victoria, but he has etched his name in the history books after leading the Netherlands to that World Cup win. Um, the Netherlands connection, it comes from his grandmother, who's from The Hague. Uh, he's played 72 matches, uh, ODIs and T20s in the Orange, part of that Orange crush since debuting in 2018. But none better than what's happened this morning, that 38-run takedown of the previously uh, unbeaten South Africans. So let me have a look. Where, where does this leave uh, the standings in the World Cup? Well, Australia are now eighth on the ladder, eighth out of ten. Uh, ninth is the Netherlands. Uh, run rate is separating, though, Australia from, let me see, all the way down the list here. Well, England also have played three games for just one win. So it is only net run rate that's separating Australia in eighth spot from fifth spot England. Top four as it stands now, India, New Zealand, South Africa and Pakistan. So India and the Kiwis unbeaten after three matches. Uh, South Africa having their first loss, two wins uh, from three. And Pakistan, two wins from three. And they are our next opponents, Pakistan, on Friday night in, in India as well. I heard the chat with uh, Bharat Senderason, Patton Heels. Had a chat to him uh, a little earlier today from India. And he was talking about how Pakistan are right for the picking. They are shaken. They had that last start loss to India. Uh, mortal enemies, as we know. And they were taken down in a big way. And, and they were also subjected to some pretty unsavoury comments and treatment from the local crowd. But you almost expect that when India and Pakistan uh, take to the field in any form. Uh, but Pakistan rattled according to Bharat, and ripe for the picking. So uh, this sets up uh, a very good contest and a very good space for Australian cricket to be in. 13-13-55-0467-736-736. Uh, Get to your texts in just a moment. Uh, but Sam, cue Bon Jovi because it's 10-31. Johnny was steaming, <laughs> absolutely steaming. Like he walked in the last room, didn't have lunch. Like the Sky crew knew that Johnny was in there, and they just replayed it on the screen. <laughs> and like as you do, everyone's like watching, obviously seeing us all watch. Like, Are you guys happy with that? Dave Warner's like spitting out his chicken, <laughs> spitting out his chicken, and goes, "Yeah, very." <laughs> like the only word said, "Oh, of course." <laughs> Well received by most people. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just try and look down and I look up at Johnny and be. <laughs> I'd pumpkin suit coming down my eyes. <laughs> I could imagine Johnny looking at us and when David said very, me and a few others. <laughs> he would have seen three shoulders puckering uh, with their heads down. That sort of take the, take the tension out of the room? Or? Uh, not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> None of the uh, England boys would have found it funny, probably, no. would they? No. So, yes. I reckon I could see a few of them laughing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Australian cricketers and the great cricketers having a laugh about the Johnny Bairstow incident, and they can do that, sure. But the question I'm asking you today is the spirit of cricket. 
is there room for it in the professional game? In the modern game of cutthroat pro sport, is the spirit of cricket still even a thing? Is it a myth or, does it, or is it mandatory when they play? And what does it look like for you, the spirit of cricket? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Does it still exist? What does it look like? Is it, is it, is it gilly walking? Is it no man cats? Is it calling Johnny Bairstow back? Even though it was within the rules of the game, the spirit of cricket, should they have called them back? For me, it's about image. It's about reputation. Is there room for the spirit of cricket in cricket in the modern day? Well, yes. Hell yes, there is. Because I guess it comes down to two things. Doing the right thing. And actually, what does doing the right thing look like? Is it doing everything in your power to make sure your team wins? Or is it playing within the notion of some unwritten rule that lives subjectively and only in someone's mind? And I'm on the side of the ladder. I'm a big believer of your reputation is your currency. At the end of the day, results are what you're measured on, but your reputation is what you're remembered for. Secondly, we know that cricket is one of the last bastions of sport in tradition and what we uphold. Golf is another, but cricket being the team sport and our national sport, I think this is where it sits, doesn't it? Our cricketers on the national stage are a reflection on us, on you and I as Australians. It's our image, our brand. It's in our DNA. It's in the fabric of our society, sport, and there's no higher sport than cricket. We know the captain of the Australian cricket team is second only to the Prime Minister in office in this country. Well, that's the regard it's held. It's why we took sandpaper gates so hard and so personal. So I come back to you now. The spirit of cricket, does it exist? What does it look like to you? And is there room for it? in the modern, professional, cutthroat world of pro sport. 13 13 55 0467 736 1037 this Wednesday morning. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Nice work, Slam and Sam. Rolling out the boss. Born in the USA. Flag football is coming to the Olympics in 2028. What is flag football? Who will be playing it for Australia? Do Australians even play it? We'll find out very shortly. We'll speak to the boss of the well, NFL, Gridiron Australia, very, very shortly. Um, just, just on the text, this one's come through. Uh, ben, tongue-in-cheek, but my first flag football recruitment target would be Clive Palmer's nephew. <laughs> time and time again, proven the most evasive person in Australia. Oh, outstanding stuff. That they is think it amazing. <laughs> definitely going into the draw for the could be clubhouse leader for the, for the dinner and drinks on us at the Lord Alfred uh, Hotel. Be, before we get to Wade Kelly, who's the CEO of uh, Gridiron Australia, I, I do want to go to the open lines because Dave's uh, phoned in about the spirits of cricket. Dave, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Ben. How are you this morning? Uh, all the better for talking to you. When I mentioned the phrase "spirit of cricket," what jumps into my into your mind? Oh, look, very much a, a situation that uh, yeah, definitely play hard on the field, but um, taking um, taking that in consideration leads the, the heat of the battle on the uh, on the field itself, and uh, be prepared to socialise when you come off the field with the opposition. Uh, look, I was really upset with what happened at the end of the Ashes series. Uh, there was obviously a lot of um, uh, heated battles on the field. Yeah. And then at the end of the series, what do the Poms end up doing? Yeah, we won't turn up for the drink. We'll go, we'll go and drink on our own. That's not in the spirit of the game, is it? No. Is there room for it in the world of cutthroat professional sport? That's the big question this morning. Dave, appreciate your call. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. All right. Professional sport. Actually, is it a professional sport? We'll find out. There's so many questions around flag football uh, in the wake of the last 24 hours since it was announced as part of one of six new sports coming to LA 2028. We know cricket's going to be in there. Fantastic. But is just this a token gesture to put the Americans on side or is there some legitimate ground and moving forward outside of LA, is it going to look like, what's it going to look like in an Olympic space? We thought the best person to talk to would be the boss of Gridiron Australia who has some skin in the game as far as being a pro athlete in the past. He's been part of the Broncos set up. The North Sydney Bears, thank you very much, even played rugby at Randwick down in Sydney. I speak none other than Wade Kelly. Wade, very good morning to you. Thanks for coming on board today. I reckon your phone would be ringing off the hook over the last 24 hours to explain flag football to Australians. I've just had Clive Palmer on, Ben. He's just ready. <laughs> yeah, nice. Word touche. Well done. What's his, I'm trying to think of what his nephew's name was. I can't remember, but well, we can't find him anyway. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, step us through. Uh, flag football. I've been calling it touch football or Oztag for gridiron. Is that simplifying it? Am I out of touch here? Explain to us what it is. Yeah, it's probably upside down. Uh, let's be fair. Oztag was spawned out of um, flag football. So flag football has got 20 million participants. Oztag's got about 150,000, I think. So a little bit the other way around. All right. So what about in Australia, though? This is what I want to knuckle down on. Uh, how many participants in Australia? How big a sport is it in this country? Yeah, look, it's just kicked off. So um, from grassroots right up through to our senior teams, we've actually got two senior teams, uh, Australian teams, our men's and women's, gone over to Malaysia on Saturday for the Intercontinental Cup, where they'll play against Japan, uh, New Zealand, Thailand, Indonesia, Kuwait, um, Malaysia themselves, the Philippines will be there. Um, so it's, it's, it's just kicking off, but obviously the, in the last 48 hours, it's gone a bit nuts with attention on, uh, on what it's all about, which is great. Okay, how competitive would an Australian team look like? I know we've got some time to progress towards 28, but um, what is and how, how does that shape up and, and how do we become competitive in the world of flag football? Look, it's, we've probably got a flying start, to be honest, with, with our athletes across all our sports. When you look at the conversion rates, and our high-performance team has been working on this for a while now, when we look at our athletes and how they will convert to the sport it's essentially the same as afl uh, netball and basketball with a little bit of Oztag, rugby league rugby union um thrown in so 360 sport you've got to get downfield turn around jump up catch a ball um that's that's afl that's netball that's that's basketball so with our athletes and we know that we excel in all those sports um we so 
it's it's exposing all those athletes to to, to flag football, the chance to go to LA and where we fully expect to be in the gold medal matches for both the men's and the women's against the US. Will you be targeting those, those sports to try and get an elite athlete who's been in a professional system in either netball, AFL, and and basketball? Yeah, hundred um, percent. This is a high in our high performance end of our program. We want the best players representing Australia, and if if they're interested in flag football, if they're interested in winning the gold medal and going to LA, um, which I think is a pretty attractive proposition for 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 everyone, particularly for those sports that don't have an Olympic pathway. Um, you know, I, I grew up as a rugby league boy. I was at the Bronx and North, and then I, I, I played ten years at professional union. Um, in league, we didn't we didn't have that pathway. In AFL, you don't have the Olympic opportunity, and it's something special. You know, you, you always think, you know, you see the Olympians every four years on there, and they get on gold and they win that gold medal, and it's just it's such an iconic and special thing for, and particularly for Aussies, right? Um, mm. And you're always a little bit jealous whenever the, the Olympics come around. Oh, my sport was never in that, and maybe this gives them that one chance to do it. And then hopefully in 2032, they can back it up and win it again in Brisbane. We see it a lot in the, in the women's program with uh, athletes jumping between uh, Sevens Rugby, uh, NRLW. Uh, there's been crossovers between netball and AFLW as well. So that's that 360 sport. But 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 athletes jumping across into different, uh, different sports, I guess they can do that because their seasons are shorter. How would you entice? Let, let's, let's put someone on, and I'm going to use a local example, Reese Walsh, no one can touch him. He's quick. He's evasive. I think he might be perfect for you for for your sport. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, yeah. But if you were to entice someone like Reese Walsh, what would it look like? How could he do rugby league and uh, flag football at the same time, or could he not do that? I, I look every. You hit the nail on the head, right? It, they're a lot more fluid now, athletes, high-end athletes. And probably Sonny Bill was the one that kicked that off for the guys, mm. where he was jumping from league to union to boxing. Um, and with the girls, they, they, they're just used to it. They're, they're very much, at the moment, still in those crossover with a lot of the coaches. So each case will be different. Obviously, it's not the same one-size-fits-all for those guys uh, and girls that want to come across play flag and, and have a shot at it. So if you, you take Reese Walsh, and yeah, you're right, man. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm still a Bronx fan, and... Um, you know, Reese had an amazing year this year. He's a phenomenal talent. He'd be, he'd be unbelievable at running back or trying to cover Tyreek Hill. Like, imagine Reese Walsh trying to cover Tyreek Hill with a cheetah, uh, who's already said on Twitter that he wants to play for the American team. Um, how would he play? You know, he, he's going to, he's going to be in sort of his mid twenties by the time California rolls around. But then Brisbane will be in 2032, um, and you know, if everything goes well in 2028, and we expect the results that we get, then we'd be pretty hard pressed to, to not have defend your Olympic golds in 2032 in Brisbane. That might be more of an option for him. But, you know, some of these guys, Olympic gold medal and to play, it's in LA, you're probably playing at SoFi Stadium. I'm I'm not saying that they are going to play at SoFi Stadium. I would imagine that probably is going to be at SoFi Stadium Mm. against the US NFL Dream Team. It's a pretty tempting thing to actually put all your eggs in that basket for the year, right? And just go, I want to have a crack at winning the gold medal um, in LA or... You know, but like I said, everyone's going to be different in different cases. We've got guys that will fully commit from now um, through to 2028. You know, our Australian guys now all and girls all expect you know that they want to have a shot at going to 2028 as well. Imagine lining up against Patrick Mahomes. That that'd be good, wouldn't it? Um, Wade, realistically, what would be a time frame? And again, this is high performance. It's professional sport. If there was a crossover to occur, when would that need to happen? Is it something you can pick up and be part of a system for, 
for six months? Would they have to give up a couple of years? What what would it look like? And again, if you're on an NRL contract that could be 800, 900, maybe even a million, what's the, the money looking like for them to do yeah, that? Yeah, look, there's a few different levels to that question. But I would say, look, the first thing's first. It's a really simple game. You know, I, I was... Only um, introduced the game at the end of last year when the NFL ran a competition out here for school kids up on the Gold Coast, um, which was a great event. The kids, the kids picked it up so quick. We've done a, little, a few experiments this year with some uh, rugby league crossovers and AFL crossovers, and it's amazing how quick they pick it up. It's a simple game. It's uh, it's a short field. It's five v five. There's no big boppers out there. It's non-contact. Uh, it's essentially get down the field, get agile, get open and catch the ball. There's not a lot to it, uh, to be honest. So they, they, what we've found so far is they adapt really, really, really quickly. Um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting, this first international tournament, a lot of these guys have got um, really limited experience. They're great athletes, really limited experience in flag football themselves and see how they go up against the other nations uh, next week in, in Malaysia. So realistically, it could be just a, a season. They may have to sit out of, of NRL to perhaps chase that uh, Olympic Olympic dream from from what we're picking up there. Wade, we have run out of time, and I know your phone's ringing. You've got to get back to Clive and see if we can tra- <laughs> track down his sniffy. If you can, if you do, I'm sure the authorities will want to talk to you too. Uh, appreciate, your, appreciate your time and stepping us through it. Uh, Wade Kelly, he's now the boss of Gridiron Australia has had uh, a, a career as a professional athlete as well in the uh, uh, 15 aside game and also rugby league, part of the Broncos program in 97, uh, 97, uh, 94, 95, 96, before uh, heading down to the North Sydney Bears. So who would make a good crossover athlete? Who could you see? Who would you target? If you were Wade, 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Yeah, that is a plus indeed. Doing it for Host Plus and also Mac as proud sponsors of the Little Legends supporting grassroots sport in Queensland. Coming up to 11 o'clock, Vanessa standing by with the news. After that, in the final hour, we'll be taking your calls, your thoughts on the spirit of cricket. Is it such a thing or does it exist in someone's mind only? What are your thoughts when you hear that phrase, spirit of cricket? 13 13 55 0467 736 736. We'll also be touching base with our affiliates in Melbourne. AFL trade period wraps up tonight. What's on the Lions radar? Who is on the Lions radar? Jack Gunston, does he go or does he stay? 13 13 55 0467 736. This is SENQ, Queensland's new home of sport. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ.
Yes, thanks for stepping on the podium with me this morning. A big final hour of the show coming up. Just because it's the final hour does not mean we are slowing down one little bit. I've got your calls, your texts standing by. Steve's out at Chermside. We'll get to him in just a moment. We'll be catching up with our affiliates down in Melbourne. AFL trade period is wrapping up tonight. So many deals to get done. What does it mean for the Lions? Queensland teams involved. I'll also give you some tips today. Not me, but our mate Luke Gayhouse will... On the Greyhounds, exactly. Brisbane Greyhounds, of course, remember to gamble responsibly. Imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. I'll also reveal to you an incredible act of kindness between cross codes, cricket and netball, helping each other out. But right now I'm asking you about cricket and what does the phrase spirit of cricket mean to you? Is it a myth or is it a mandatory part of the game? 131355 0467 736 736. Is it still exist? Is, is there room for it in the modern cutthroat world of professional sport? The reason I'm even asking this, I heard a great conversation yesterday between Crash Craddock and Sam Edmund on, on our um, uh, SEN uh, in Melbourne. And Crash said, well, actually, I'll play you what Crash said. You can make your own mind up. I, I just think it sort of rocked Australia. And it took, they were for lying at that point. They were stampeding their way through the ashes. And for all the sort of uh, jokes about the spirit of cricket mm. and all this and and uh, poking fun at Bairstow in the, in the lunchroom for him blowing up, do you know, they had a chance. They've worked very hard since Sandpaper Gate, Sam, to, 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 to reshape the image of Australian cricket. And that, that would have been an, an example of an incident where they could have bounded forward a little bit. Everyone rubbishes the spirit of cricket, but I tell you what, I don't mind it, Sam. I don't mind the fact that cricket can be a little bit different. You know, you, you, part of the reason I spent my whole working life as a cricket writer is I enjoy that little part of the game. And, and you can tut-tut it and say, oh, that's for 90-year-old gentlemen, and so may be it. But your, your team does have an image, and I felt that had they recalled Bairstow that day, it, it, it would have completely redefined the whole team in a very positive way, and they'd have won the game anyway. Mm. Mm, yeah, Crash Craddock, interesting point. Does he have a point? Do, do you agree with Crash? It was around the Johnny Bairstow dismissal in the ashes and the chat was surrounding how Alex Carey hasn't been the same since. The Australian cricket team hasn't been the same since, according to Crash. So the spirit of cricket, it got me thinking, does it even have a place in the modern day cutthroat world of professional sport? And when you think of the spirit of cricket, that phrase, what jumps into your mind? Plenty of texts coming through. As I said, Steve's out at Chermside. He's standing by. Steve, good morning to you. Thanks for your patience. The spirit of cricket, what does it mean to you? Good morning, Ben. Well, I think the, the issue that we've got here is that they're classing Kerry's actions as something outside the rules, which we know it isn't. Mm. So if a um, bowler bowls a no ball, he's gone over the line, they get penalised. If you take the man cut out of the game and say it's and that and even for the carry action, which it wasn't a man cut, obviously, right. but, but if you take that action out of the game, how do you punish the batsman for breaking the rules for leaving the crease early? 
So do you have it like a VRA, like they have in soccer or you know, or rugby league, where you're at, you know you're inside the ten, whatever they score off that ball is a zero. If it hits a six, no, sorry, the dot ball, you go back, you're out. How would that that would slow up the game, but it'd be within the rules. I think that people are sort of going the spirit of cricket. The spirit of cricket is you play the game to the rules to your best of your ability to win. Not it's, it's people's opinions of what they're... If you don't like the rules, change the rules. That's what legislation's for. Um, Steve, what, I, I, no, I love, I love your take on it. And that's the, that's, that's the, the, the grey area, or that's, the, I guess, the bit that's open for discussion, isn't it? it it's about the rules being enforced, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And that's what it boils down to, for, for me anyway. Uh, does Steve have a point? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Max out of Kalanga, he said, there's no spirit of cricket or spirit of anything. It's international elite sport. You do what you need to do to win. There's too much on the line. Only losers use the spirit of anything line. So there we go, Max, quite forthright. And he says the spirit of what doesn't even exist. Uh, my argument to that is that whilst it may be an unwritten rule that lives subjectively in your mind only, it is just that. Your reputation. It's what others think of you. And to me, there's the argument there as well. And it's my side of the argument. Because your reputation is your currency. At the end of the day, yes, as an elite athlete, the results are what you're measured on. But your reputation is what you're remembered for. I used the examples earlier of Anthony Mundane, a three-time world champion in boxing. But what's your first thought when you think of Anthony Mundane? Andrew Johns is an immortal in rugby league, unquestionable on what he's done on a football field. But again, what's the first thing that jumps into mind when you think of Andrew Johns? And that's subjective, isn't it? And that's where it comes down to reputation. Cricket... Fairly or unfairly, is holding it or held, I should say, in a different regard in this country because it is our national sport. We know that the Australian cricket captain is the second highest post in this country to only the Prime Minister. And again, that's an opinion, that's a reflection, that's how we perceive it. It's not written anywhere, it's not legislated, it's not law, but that's how we regard and hold the post of the Australian cricket captaincy. We hold our crickets to a higher standard. Why? I believe it's because they are us on the international stage. And when I say us, you and I, as Australians, it is our national sport, our true national sport. So when they represent us as a nation that has sport as part of our DNA, sport flowing through our veins, it's the fabric of our society, we hold them in higher regard, maybe unfairly. But it's why Sandpaper Gate hit us so hard, I think. Because it is a reflection on us. And that may be unfair on the professional athlete because for them it's a very different argument. They win at all costs, right? Their living, their existence, their place in the team, it comes down to results. And that's why I'm asking today, is there room for the spirit of, well, as Max puts it, the spirit of anything? 
in professional sport? Is it just getting the job done? Where do you sit on this side of it? Reputation, is it your currency? Or are you remembered for results and results only? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Pat has said, Ben, when you play sport within the rules, you don't play within the unwritten rules. But in life, I have two unwritten rules that you go by. And they're, hang on, I should have read this earlier. <laughs> you don't sleep with your mates or wife's girl, uh, your mate's wife or girlfriend, or you don't steal from your family and friends. Hey, there we go, Pat. Two unwritten rules to live by. I like them. Actually, maybe that's where we can go next week. What are some of the unwritten rules in life that you live by? I like that, Pat. Thank you for opening that door. Mark that down. Hoff, we're going to be talking about that next week because we'll run out of time today otherwise. Uh, 13, 13, 55, 0467736736. Uh, Jace has said, after seeing his NFL passes in Japanese rugby, Quade Cooper for quarterback. Jace, good stuff. He's out at Albany Creek. There we go. Cross-code athletes who should flag football Australia, Gridiron Australia, be targeting to bolster our medal chances for the games in LA 2028. 48 hours ago, or over the last 24 hours even, we were using flag football as a punchline. It was just put in to appease the Americans, wasn't it? Hey, if you want cricket as part of the Olympics, we're going to have flag football. But no, last hour, if you missed it, had a great chat with Wade Kelly, who's the boss of Gridiron in this country. And he said, yeah, it's a 360 sport. We will be targeting other sports like basketball, like netball, like AFL, sports that have a 360 perception around them. Well, you need to have that 360 environment to survive and thrive. And they will be targeting those athletes to represent Australia in 2028, having a gold medal around your neck, an Olympic gold medal, actually being an Olympian, full stop. Once an Olympian, always an Olympian. They can't take that away from you. It's a fair character dangle, isn't it? 13, 13, 55, 0467, 736, 736. Uh, 14 minutes past 11. Quick break. We'll be back to talk some AFL trade movements. Uh, what's it looking like for the Lions with just a few hours to go until the trade period's up? Jack Gunston, is he on the move? Are we going to get something for him? Who is it? What's it look like? That's next. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. It is the question that footy fans and list managers throughout the AFL are asking of players all over today. Today's D-Day for trades. The trade period ends at 6.30 tonight, our time here in Queensland, and a flurry of movements are happening right now at AFL HQ. List managers are said are going through agents and each other to try and figure out the best deals. Making head and tail of it is, well, it's a tough Tough job, but I reckon we've got the best man for it. He is part of SEN's Trade Radio. He's taken a quick spell to have a quick chat to us. Cam Luke, a very good morning to you or good afternoon in Melbourne. Um, a lot of movement. We hear that a magpie is on the move, one of the best young talents in the competition, but I do want to get a handle on what's happening as far as the Lions are concerned. Jack Gunston, yeah. we know he wants mm -hmm. to go back to the Hawks. Is there any movement mm. on that? 
There, there hasn't been a great deal of movement, and, and hello to you and the listeners. It, it's, it was an interesting one that bobbed up Friday. Of course, Jack Gunston, a, a three-time premiership player at, at the Hawks and only headed to the Lions 12 months ago this particular time. Uh, he desired to get back to Melbourne. But is that a priority? It's very low in the priority for Hawthorne. They've got many other things they're trying to work on. They're trying to get Chol in. Jack Ginnivan, as you alluded to, has, has, has happened and, and looks like it'll definitely happen. They're going to swat future second rounders and some other picks, but Jack Ginnivan will be a Hawk. So they've got other things that are, are, are bubbling away that they find to be much more important than Jack Gunston. It wouldn't stun me if in the last minute or two Gunston was was thrown in there and ended up back in Hawthorne colours. But Gunston's most certainly at the bottom of the list when it comes to uh, Hawthorne. One is they've already got their trade targets and what they wanted to do with some younger players. But two, uh, they, they are in a much different situation than they were 12 months ago. They decided Jack Gunston was a player that while they wanted to keep, they gave him an opportunity knowing that they're going to take a little while to develop their list. He goes to Brisbane, didn't quite work out. Uh, Brisbane was still very good, as we know, uh, and now he wants to come home. So uh, would it stun me if it got done? No, but Hawthorne have much other things on their list right now that they're worried about. Uh, I saw last night on uh, 7 News down in Melbourne, Mitch Cleary was reporting that the Lions have met with Braden Ryan from Hawthorne. Mm. Braden Ryan, what can you tell us about him? And would that be part of the, the Gunston deal if it was to get done? I don't believe so. It's, it's a really interesting story. He got picked up in the in the mid-season, uh, mid-season draft. It's only been in the AFL for four or five seasons. He was, he was playing good footy in the VFL. He, he didn't get drafted out of the 18s. Playing good footy. Got picked up and ended up playing three games for Hawthorne at the back end of the year. Kicked three goals in their upset win against Collingwood. He's a 200-centimetre big boy. He can play. And then just re-signed at Hawthorne. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he wants to get to Brisbane. Now... There is a, a little bit of a, a longer financial commitment from Brisbane. Of course, they just uh, lost Tom Fullerton, who's ended up uh, heading to Melbourne. So he's a player that Hawthorne weren't overly interested in, in losing. They were keen to hold on to him. And they have told Brisbane uh, for the last three or four days, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with you um, on Ryan if that's what he wants to do and, and we can get a second rounder back for him. But it's very unlikely it's going to be part of the Gunston deal. The Lions were like, well, we just swapped Gunston for Ryan. And Hawthorne had said no straight away. So he's a, he's a young player that uh, absolutely can, can help next year. They're, they're so jam-packed inside 50 Brisbane. But you need those depth players. And he's a guy that has untapped potential. So it's, um, it's a savvy move by the Lions. One that surprised a few people. But I, I think once Mario, Mario Chol, uh nominated Hawthorne as a team to go to after leaving the Gold Coast Suns with that deal. He started to read the writing on the wall a little bit. So uh, I, I think Ryan will get done, but it won't be a direct swap with the Jack Gunston deal. But every club uh, complicates things. So it might end up being a, a, a four-team a four, a four trade and, and Gunston and, and Ryan are involved in the same thing, but it definitely won't be connected just one-on-one. Jesus, turning out to be, be a huge trade period for, for the Hawks. Is Chola done deal? Is, is he heading to Hawthorne? No, it, it, he will. Again, he will. But right now, it's, it's continual that, that's doing and throwing. It's, it's, it's very similar to, uh, I'm not sure about you, Benny, but with me at, at high school, I wasn't very academic. And if something had to be done by Friday afternoon, then I traditionally did it on Friday morning. This is how the trade period <laughs> yeah. works. You know, we, we've been toing and throwing. It officially started last Monday. Uh, the, the AFL don't allow trades until three o'clock on this day. And they just announced randomly this morning that it's been bought forward now at the two o'clock Melbourne time. 
to try and get some of these deals done and, and, and allow a bit more time. Shoal will end up at Hawthorne, but again, toing and froing. And I think that'll be a, uh, there'll be a couple of clubs involved in that. The Gold Coast Suns have done a really good job of trying to uh, get draft capital and draft points into the system due to their academy kids. So they want to have more points that are available to be able to do that and make sure they don't sort of get hurt uh, on the back end and go into deficit. So um, Shoal will end up there, but not yet a done deal. All right, well, the big headline of the day so far and what we will probably see coming out of today anyway is Jack Ginnivan uh, heading to Hawthorne. Mm. We, we touched on it. Um, a magpie, uh, well, one of the best young talents in the game. I know he set the, the world alight last year. He had a rough start to this season, didn't he, getting caught up in Torquay and, um, mm. and admitting to uh, illicit substances, but then uh, then found his way uh, in, into a grand final and um, being a sub there. So he, that is done. He is off to Hawthorne. He, he will be he will be a hawk, no doubt at all, uh, and it'll, it'll, it'll be made official when probably about ninety minutes time. But it has okay. been agreed upon this morning, and and you are right, forty goals last year uh, in two thousand and twenty two, where the Pies made a prelim, really good year, had a great year, burst onto the scene, only his second year of of playing AFL after he was upgraded from the rookie list, and then this year, in comes Bobby Hill, then he gets caught up, his own stupidity, of course, in that in that pub and the Torquay incident that you mentioned. And just struggled to get the consistency. Did little things that annoyed Craig McRae. Got going, made the premiership team, of course, grand final team, and then went to the races the night before. Now, I did see him at the races, and he wasn't doing anything uh, untoward. But the perception uh, in the eyes of Collingwood in particular, they were not impressed. Ginevan, from all reports, wasn't overly happy with the uh, words of which uh, Craig McRae used on an SEN radio interview a couple of weeks ago on Drive in the aftermath of that. He went to Bali. He thought about his, his, his career and where it all kind of sits. Hawthorne came knocking after Lockie Schultz got traded from Fremantle to the Pies. And here we are ending up today that a, a young man who has done some, he's got some maturing to do, but uh, so does every single 20-year-old in the world, to be fair, outside of Nick Dacos. He finds himself now uh, at the Hawks. And, and hopefully in a new look forward line that, has Mitch Lewis there? Luke Bruce is a star and has been for a decade or even more. And then you have Chole in there as well, as well as as uh, Ginnivan. So it'll be a bit of a different looking forward line, but the one that I think suits him and gets him opportunity to play good footy. It's a brand new spanking forward line for Hawthorne. Uh, you answered my last question mm-hmm. to you, which was uh, about Ginnivan. So th- this was more of his doing rather than Collingwood uh, wanting him out the door, or do you think there's a bit of uh, I, I, bit of both? I, look, I, I think the... Um, accumulation of, of those little things over the course of the year and then going to Mad Monday dressed as a jockey a couple of days after it probably didn't go down all that well at Collingwood. I don't think they offered him up at all. I don't think they said, let's try and get Jack Kinnivan out of the football club because they are a club that have been able to hold on to players. Jordan go is a perfect example of this. Done stupid stuff away from the football field, but they yep. backed themselves in to get the most out of them. And now he is one of the stars in the comp. So it wasn't like they shopped Jack Ginnivan, but when the when the question came knocking and when Hawthorne, and they weren't the only team, but when Hawthorne came knocking and they spoke to Ginnivan's manager, they were they were they were they were fairly happy to play ball. Outstanding. Thank you for the summary, Cam. It's a big afternoon ahead of you. Appreciate you taking time out uh, to step us through it. Cam Luke, part of SEN's trade radio, uh, which is absolutely humming at the moment. So expect some movement at the station. Two o'clock our time. Wow, that's been brought forward. Oh, hang on. It was two o'clock Melbourne time. So it's one o'clock. I see. Any moment now.
736 Vanessa standing by with the news before that. A couple of texts. Uh, this one from Murray saying, Ben, uh, love the PNG football brand, its players and its fans, but try enticing married NRL players with school-age family to live in Port Moresby. It's a massive ask. Uh, Muzz, thank you. If you missed my chat with Andrew Hill last hour, you download that, Spotify uh, or iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from it was a ripping chat just to get the state of play of where png sits as far as the nrl's 18th team yeah there will be happening there will be an 18th team no no time frame yet but expansion definitely on the card to get the competition evened up the png bid is up and running andrew hill in charge of that he stepped us through where they're at and it was great it was a great chat about pathways as well which i know can be kind of glossed over but I remember having a chat with Joey Dawes. Joe Dawes, the cricketer, he he was in charge of the PNG cricket program, uh, World Cups on the on the uh, on the horizon. There, well, this was last year, and I was chatting to him about just the, the talent pool and where they came from. And he had a lot of players who were playing grade cricket here in Brisbane, which was fantastic. But he opened my eyes to what was happening in that part of the world, and he said, "Look, mate, as part of elite athletes and and, and trying to." get them up to that level. The, the skill factor is fantastic. He said, but it's it's the little things that we just take for granted, like diet and being able to get the right nutrition into any athlete, not just cricket, but any athlete. When uh, the socioeconomic development of that country and of the players, uh, a lot of them come from regions that they, that the money on the table, putting food on the table uh, is, is there, but just where three meals a day may be rice. And you stop to think, hang on, what? So that's what they're facing. Uh, nutrition, being able to eat properly, correctly, to perform at the elite level as an athlete. And that's something that the PNG bid team is looking at, expanding those pathways. They were talking about 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, the next gen coming through, setting up a proper pathway. And it's not just being able to play footy, but it's being able to play at the elite level, high performance and little things which we take for granted, like diet, like food, is well on their agenda. Fascinating chat with Andrew Hill. Download it uh, iTunes, Spotify, as I said. Uh, speaking of downloads, it is time to download on the news. Vanessa standing by with a new... Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Slam and Sam, keep it going. That is the best Screaming Jet song of all time. How good. Helping hand indeed. And it's exactly what our netball stars have been given by an unlikely ally. Cricketers have put their hand in their own pocket to help them get through the pay dispute. It's outstanding stuff, and it's something that I want to shine the spotlight on, all thanks to MEGT, helping women kick their career goals in the trade industry. We know the netball dispute. We spoke about it last week with Liz Ellis uh, between the Players Association and Netball Australia. Well, basically, netball is now unemployed. 
and they're locked in this pay dispute. They need to get their contracts sorted before the Super Netball Series starts. And in an extraordinary act of cross-code solidarity, and I'm reading from Ben Horn's report on Code Sport, it's brilliant stuff. The Australian Cricketers Association have pledged to create a six-figure fighting fund for desperate netballers to access and help pay their bills during this ugly feud with Netball Australia. They haven't forgotten their own pay war with Cricket Australia, the cricketers, that is, back in 2017, and have decided to financially back the netballers who are fighting their own version of a revenue share model with Network uh, Netball Australia. I mean, this is this is unheard of, isn't it? It's unheard of. Athletes in one sport giving up money for counterparts in a completely different code. Um, Todd Greenberg, the well, yeah, former ARL, NRL CEO, uh, in consultation with stars like Alyssa Healy, they have declared that cricket won't stand by and watch netballers being frozen out by their bosses. So much like their female players in 2017, Todd Greenberg said, the netballers are at a moment they're leaning on friends and family financial for financial support. What's disappointing is that netballers' requests are modest and affordable and the Australian Cricketers Association believe that they should be given the same new partnership opportunities as our girls, as our players that have seen cricket thrive. And the Australian Cricket Association stands with netballers and will do this until the campaign is successful. So an extraordinary act of kindness, of cross-code helping hands, in the words of the Screaming Jets. Um, brilliant stuff. So the Australian Cricketers Association helping out the netballers as they battle through their own pay dispute because effectively they are unemployed. Uh, right now. Uh, all thanks to MEGT. Women in Trades, advance your workforce with female tradie power. Visit megt.com.au. Uh, Luke Gatehouse standing by. Some tips for Albion Park uh, today. Before we get into that, though, let's have a look at the text line coming through. Troy, thank you for yours. He said, Ben, depth of character. This is all in the name of the spirit of cricket. When you, when I say the phrase spirit of cricket, what jumps into your mind? And is there room for it? in the cutthroat world of professional sport. Well, Troy says depth of character will always be above winning ruthlessly and without principles and morals, victory will be hollow. You will always be answerable to the great spirit. Troy and Georgie. Troy, thank you very much for that. 13 13 55 0467 736 736. Uh, let's touch base with our good friends at Greyhound Brisbane, uh, Greyhound Racing Brisbane. Luke Gatehouse is on the line. Uh, Luke, good morning to you. Good morning, Ben. Uh, let me see. There's plenty going on in the world of uh, Brisbane Greyhounds. We know that. The But also, Friday night, um, JJ had a Big win in the Million Dollar Chase in Sydney. Yeah, it was one of the great nights to be at a racetrack Friday night. And uh, certainly in uh, Greyhound Racing, we don't have any problem getting money back to our participants. They're, uh, <laughs> they're getting a really good return. And, yeah, the model that uh, is in place, uh, we try and make sure the returns to the participants are, are reflective of what they earn. So, yeah, a lot of lessons to be learned there. Um, however, Thursday night, instant millionaire Jay is Jay. So it was a million dollars to the winner, the million dollar chase, and it was a great race. He uh, had to really fight to, to get to the line, and uh, yeah, just a, a wonderful story uh, around the whole Jay is Jay and Zamek family. Okay, well, give us that backstory, because it, it is a wonderful one, isn't it? 
Yeah, so JSJ was owned and was the last Greyhound trained by Selena's amateur father, Jeff Jones. And he passed away suddenly uh, a few years ago and the dog uh, went to his wife, Lillian, Selena's mother, and then Selena trained the dog and, and basically won with the dog just after he passed away, which was, yeah, there was no, no uh, dryers in the house. And then... Uh, Jay is Jay's side by the former track record here in Seneki, who stayed at the Zamets up here, and so they've decided to to mate Seneki and and Kilo, and it's come out with Seneki, who's you know 1.3 million dollars in prize money, and the rest of the litter are very handy across the seven or eight greyhounds in the litter. There's 1.7 million dollars in prize money earned. <laughs> just a wonderful family story. Isn't it just what? What about that? That that's that's some serious calling going into uh, into that family and the passing on uh, down the bloodlines as well. Uh, speaking of money and passing on, uh, have we got any tips for Albion Park? What are we racing today? Aren't we? Yeah, we're racing this afternoon and then again tomorrow night. And I think I might find your listeners a couple of uh, nicely placed dogs today that are drawn well. So race five. Uh, dog one, smart and classy. It's two dollars twenty-five at the moment, and then race ten, dog one. Uh, you know, I do like the dog one mm. box ones when the good dogs drawn well. Uh, abominable, it's around two dollars. And then I've had a quick look at tomorrow night. There's no markets up at this stage, so it's just an early throw at the stumps. Race eight, dog three, double up bill. But you get your cash this afternoon with those first two. There we go. Dog one in race five and in race 10, smart and classy and abominable. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Luke, I've also got to say, imagine what you'd be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. But it is always great to chat. Thanks to our great mates at Brisbane Greyhound Racing Club. Visit brisgrays.com for all the function and event information. Luke, you have yourself a uh, winning Wednesday. Appreciate uh, your time. 11.40 here at SENQ, your new home of sport in Queensland. Uh, quick break, back to wrap it up, get more of your texts. Oh, I've got to announce too, who is our winner of the Lord Alfred dinner or drinks on us, you choose, uh, coming your way, top of the Caxton Street as well. Jeez, it's been a big day. Lively text, lively conversation, outstanding stuff. The $100 voucher Hallmark Hospitality. That's the Lord Alfred. It's the best live sport, live music uh, venue. Head to Lord Alfred Hotel. Host Plus has been named Super Rating Super Fund of the Year for 2023. That's a plus. Issued by Host Plus Proprietary Limited. Check the PDS and TMD at hostplus.com.au. This is Mornings with Ben Davis on SENQ. Simon Sam, good tune, love it. Who's been doing all the dumb things? I'm trying to figure out what the tie-in is. Pretty much just been in my head all day, so I thought <laughs> I'd get it out. No, that's 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 fair. When you get an earworm in, you got to get it out. Well done. Uh, 13-13-55-04-67-736-736. That's the number I've been asking you to be part of Queensland Sports' biggest conversation. And we're talking today around the spirit of cricket. Does it exist? Is it only in people's minds? Is it subjective? What is the spirit of cricket? When you hear that phrase, what jumps into your mind? Uh, Mike has sent a detailed text message, which I've saved for last because it is an absolute ripper. 
he said, look, on the Carey dismissal with Bearstow and the spirit of cricket, Chief English cricket agitator Stuart Broad admitted he sneaked a catch to Michael Clark in the 2013 Ashes series. He refused to walk. And knowing Australia had no challenges left, he continued his innings. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Uh, Broad was a big part of whipping up negative sentiments against Kerry from the moment he allegedly, sorry, from the moment he legally stumped Bearstow. He also antagonised Kerry while batting in that test by checking with him after every ball if he could leave his crease. Keepers have been having a casual throw at the stumps since Rod Marsh, but the success rate is ultra low. And it's Donny, Bairstow himself, the list goes on. I just listened to Crash Craddock talking on radio immediately post the Bairstow stumping, saying he finds Broad's character and manner hard to dislike. Such a fascination and amusement with Broad and his style and his antics. Maybe that's what he gets remembered for. Mike, thank you for your text. It, it does paint an interesting picture, doesn't it? Stuart Broad. And it goes back to my point about reputation is your currency. It's your brand. It's your image, isn't it? As much as results do go a long way, but reputation and brand for me and what others think does go a long way. It's your currency. When you think of Stuart Broad, what do you think of? The great wicket taker? Or do you think of him as an English Pratt who comes out here and just starts whinging and taking it on? Or maybe that's part of the theatre of sport. Uh, if you missed Patton Heels this morning, what were you doing? But also, you would have missed Heels talking gloves off and his segment. And he touched on this in a way, especially around the Alex Carey stumping at Bairstow. The topic of today's gloves off is the cricketing dopes don't have to have a win. Stark's refusal to run out the Sri Lankan non-striker three times when it's now legal, but chose to do the old-fashioned thing of warning the infringer, telling the umpire and having everyone in the broadcast know who the dumb one was. Uh, Kusil Pereira was the man who he kept pinching centimetres and, and could have been dismissed on those three occasions. I read that Stark has a habit of threatening to run out such players with, without doing it. I've never seen that, so I, I don't know, and it's never been a major thing in his repertoire. Um, I guess it's social media that Stark just doesn't want to tangle with. It saves uh, a dopey cricketer and his stats. That non-striker Kusil Pereira could have been gone for much, much less than, than what he's made. Alex Carey... By the sound of it, not enjoying the social notoriety after the legal running out of Johnny Bairstow. So the dope won out of that occasion as well. Um, the rules slash laws are very clear. My advice to all cricketers is to play by them. Yeah, there we go. Ian Healy this morning. So the rules are clear. And I guess that's what the whole debate comes down to within the spirit of cricket. Just because you can does it mean you should as an athlete it's a very different question isn't it because you are trying to win at all costs it's what you're paid to do your spot in the team comes down to those performances and they're your kpis that's how you're measured but when it comes to fans it's a very different prospect isn't it Anyway, I'll leave you with that one to ponder. Uh, if you've missed any part of the show today, make sure you download it. iTunes, Spotify, it's been an absolute 
pleasure having you on board today, as it has been with McDonald's as well. They are proud sponsors of the Little, Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport here in Queensland. Thank you for your company until 9 o'clock next Tuesday. Good luck. Good hunting. Gonna burn.